Today on another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast, I'm going to talk about fantasy for a change. I'm going to do my Fantasy Friday wrap. Uh, that article went up yesterday, so if you haven't got a chance to read that, then I can give you all the information and the bits and pieces you need to know before a pretty big weekend of uh, mainly NFL fantasy, but of course NBA fantasy as well, uh, action. Um, also going to talk a little bit about some potential first-time All-Stars in the NBA. Again, I wrote an article a few days ago now about some dudes who might be in line for their first-time selection. There's, of course, a few I left off, but yeah, I think there's uh, some pretty strong cases for especially some up-and-coming sophomores, but also some dudes who have you know served their time in the league and are definitely balling out in 2018-19. So they're probably in line for a reward, but without further ado, let me dive into the fantasy stuff first. So today's podcast, probably going to be pretty quick. Um, I will endeavour to get it up as soon as possible, but a bit short on time, so I'm going to cut through the bullshit. I was going to skip over the AFL section for a Fantasy Friday, just because there hasn't been you know, a hell of a lot of noteworthy stuff. I could talk about how Shane Mumford signed with the Giants, or Zach Clark with the Bombers, or a few other small things, but really most people would know them, and it's not really noteworthy news for the casual fan, but... Warney, uh, as I was getting ready to write my Fantasy Friday, released a big batch of the DPPs for next season for our AFL Fantasy teams. Uh, for those that don't know, that stands for dual position players, basically dudes who you can play in more than one spot. Uh, midfield forward is usually the most popular DPP, and we were pretty stoked to see that both Patrick Dangerfield and Devin Smith are going to keep their forward status from a season ago. Both Premier ball winners who are, let's be honest, midfielders by trade, um, could honestly be the first two dudes selected to start in your forward line. Uh, it be very interesting. Maybe you could pick one in the mid, one in the forward. Traditionally, you want to put them in your forward line and then use that midfield spot on someone else who could have a higher ceiling. But, yeah, there's definitely a method to your madness if you want to try and get one in each, I think. Uh, one dude who probably was already a bit of a walk-up starter, but... Is guaranteed his spot is Will Setterfield. He also uh, was able to snag mid-forward status after making his way over to the Blues in the uh, trade period. So Setterfield will be a very interesting, probably basement rookie, or at least if he's not a basement, he'll be very low-priced. I uh, can't remember off the top of my dome uh, if he's a basement or not, but he'll start probably on your fields. Tim Kelly, another rookie from a year ago. He's mid-forward. Uh, Andy McGrath is an interesting one with mid-defense status. Might be worth a punt. I think... I can't remember if I started with him or not last year. I think he was... From memory, I didn't. I think I swapped him for Michael Hibbard, which didn't work out either. But from memory, those two jostled in and out of my D2 or D3 spot over the preseason. And it seems like they're set to do it again, or McGrath anyway. Uh, a few dudes who didn't hold on to DPP status that were pretty popular picks... A year ago, Andy Brayshaw from the D's is now strictly a midfielder, along with Elliot Yo. Makes sense, but kind of sucks a bit. Uh, Lockie Whitfield and Connor Blakely are both pure defenders. Now, Connor Blakely, interesting one, might come at a bit of a discount after injuries. And then some other popular guys, Tommy Rockliffe, Tim Taranto, a couple who are now strictly only mids as well. Um, oh, one dude I did skip over, apologies. Uh, Justin Westhoff, snag ruck status which could be very handy. Uh, he's now 
in my mind, a real option as an R2. And the Bulldogs duo, Toby McLean and Josh Dunkley, who we expected Dunkley to lose his forward status. Maybe not McLean at least, but both of them kept mid-forward. So two other very handy forward options. You could honestly stack your forward line with Danger, Devon, and these Bulldogs dudes, plus Will Setterfield. There you go, you're pretty set. All right, NFL waiver wire watch time. Um, I'm going to talk about the Kareem Hunt saga at the end. Uh, if you haven't heard about that, he's been released by the Chiefs after a video surfaced of him assaulting a, a woman in a hotel in February. So I'll touch on that at the end. But here is the fantasy advice that I had written uh, on Friday before the Kareem Hunt news. So probably not going to be available in any leagues now, but the most added, most popular dude to snag this week was Austin Eckler, especially now that Melvin Gordon's gone down. <laughs> Probably only a couple of weeks, but Eckler's upside makes him easily the most popular pickup. He was owned in just under 90% of leagues uh, when I did the article yesterday. And like I said, probably not going to be out there for a hell of a lot of teams. But if, perchance, you do happen to see someone who's left him floating around, make sure you snag him. He should be a bona fide starter this week going up against Pittsburgh. And then they've got Cincinnati next week, who's leaking points. Uh, followed by Kansas City. So three pretty good starts in a row. I'd be uh, snagging Eckler if the opportunity arises. Probably unlikely, though. Uh, someone who's probably not going to be in lots of teams is Bruce Ellington, the Lions wide receiver. Definitely, like I said, not as popular as Eckler, but could be set for a similar big bang to the end of the season. Now that Marvin Jones has been ruled out uh, with a knee injury, which actually hurts one of my teams for the rest of the season, Bruce... Big Dog Bruce is definitely an option. Had six receptions in his last two games against pretty solid defensive units in the Panthers and Bears. Got the Rams this weekend, which might make him a little uh, touch-and-go as a starting option, especially if Aqib Tlaib plays, which I think he is for the Rams. So wouldn't be starting him right away, but he could provide a bit of depth at that position for sure, especially uh, if you're lacking a bit in the receivers. I know you probably don't want to be starting dudes like that in the playoffs, but could happen. Never know. Someone you might want to drop. It's pretty clear that Josh Adams is now atop the Eagles' depth chart at running back, so it doesn't really bode well for either Corey Clement or Wendell Smallwood. Smallwood definitely got to go. He's probably behind Clement because Clement's a bit better of a pass catcher from memory. Um, I don't really have a lot of faith in the Eagles' offense, period. So Adams is looking all right, and if you have him, then don't worry about dropping him. Could even be a starter this week, maybe, against the Redskins in what is really kind of a win-or-go-home game for both of them. Now the Cowboys are up and about. But anyway, uh, Wendell Smallwood got to go, along with the Jags' defense and special teams. They've kind of survived on reputation alone for most of the season, and owners... You know, I've been happy enough to not really do anything and not dump them, but I think it's, there's probably not a team playing worse in the NFL right now. I know it might be a bit harsh, but they've got Blake Bortles been benched. There's offensive coordinators been fired. They're trending downwards for sure. They've allowed a shitload of points in all of their last few games. I'm looking at them now, actually. They've allowed 20 points or more since week five in every single game. So it doesn't bode well, especially against a Colts team this week that is uh, charging towards the Texans for the AFC South crown. So the Jags' defense and special teams is definitely one that you can probably ditch. Um, could look for some streaming options in defense, and it's not as crazy as it sounds to consider the Bills, who are in my keep-your-eye-on uh, section. They're only owned in about 43% of teams in ESPN leagues. 
And even though Buffalo struggled at times this year, the Bills have not been to blame for their shortcomings. Oh, sorry, the defensive unit has not been to blame for their shortcomings. Um, I don't know. It's a bit risky. I know they're going up against the Dolphins, though. So the Dolphins, again, aren't a talent-stricken unit. So I wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be against starting the Bills this week. Um, another guy to keep your eye on is the third stringer in the Chargers backfield. That's Justin Jackson, who made the most of his opportunities last weekend. He had seven carries for over 50 yards, which isn't amazing. But, you know, if Eckler starts to, you know, I don't know, I don't think he'll struggle. But if he at any point in time looks like he's a touch slow or something of the sorts, then they might want to just give Jackson a flyer and he might just go bang and move above Eckler in the depth chart. So it's worth rostering Jackson if you are a bit light on it running back, especially in some deeper leagues. Obviously, you know your league a little bit better than I do. Um, so it's a bit of a calculated risk. And I, like I said, I don't see Eckler being a flop, but Jackson could just rush for, you know, half a dozen carries, take it for 60 yards and score a TD, which could be nice and could uh, potentially, like I said, move him up the depth chart. It's worth knowing now, I did, like I said, write this before uh, the Kareem Hunt news, but I talked a little bit about maximizing your roster spots Meaning, you know, you can use those bench spots now where you've got maybe a flyer like someone like Bruce Ellington you can take a chance on. But if you're holding on to someone and clinging on to a bit of faith, it's time to get rid of that dude. And you can handcuff a running back option, especially if you own some of the superstars in the league. So if people were smart enough to roster Spencer Ware in case something happened to Kareem Hunt, then those people will be licking their lips now that he's gone which gives a lot of value to someone like Malcolm Brown, who is Todd Gurley's backup. Uh, Theo Riddick, who in PPR leagues definitely offers upside. If on Johnson's groin keeps playing up, he could be an option. And Carlos Hyde, who is just owned in under 60% of ESPN leagues. Um, I'm, I'm a bit bullish on Hyde being solid for the rest of the year. I don't know why. I call it a hunch, call it a gut feeling. I don't have a lot of faith in Leonard Fournette playing out the year. Now, he's missed the first half of the year, so now that he's healthy, he might want to obviously get some uh, rushing yards under his belt and enter the 2019 season uh, ready to go. But for that reason, I could see him shut down if his hamstring has a bit of a niggle or something like that. So definitely worth rostering one of those dudes if you own uh, one of the players above them on the depth chart. Injuries continue to wreak havoc to us. As I mentioned, Marvin Jones is one dude who had his season come to an early end. Over the last week, uh, Andy Dalton as well has been placed on IR with a thumb injury. Uh, Colts tight end Jack Doyle, who kind of kept me afloat for a few years, a few years, a few weeks this season. Uh, he's out with a kidney injury, um, which is a bit weird, but yeah, best wishes to him. He'll be back next year. And Jeff Herman, Herman, whatever his name is, from the Broncos, who might have been taking a flyer on him last week. Uh, he's Got a couple of broken ribs and some lung damage, so he is out as well. Okay, NBA news time. Now, the first bloke who I talked about in my waivers is someone who I went and snagged probably last week sometime, uh, maybe a little bit longer ago, and that's Justin Holiday of the Bulls. I'm going to talk a little bit about their injuries in a bit, but because of Dunn, Markinen, Portis, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone else, because of those guys' uh, absences, Holiday's had to play a lot of minutes, and as a result, he's been filling up the box score in a lot of ways. He's averaging nearly a triple-double in the last week, um, hitting four threes a game. I know that he's playing, I think, 
out of the last four games he's played, he's played over 40 minutes in three of them and 37 or something like that in the last one. So if he's out there, he's only owned in 14 or under 20, it will be now, uh, owned in under 20% of leagues. So snag him while their injuries are still big. Um, Montrez Harrell is another guy who's hot at the moment, scoring career highs and scoring really efficiently as well. Field goal percentage is an area that I'm lacking in in one of my head-to-head category leagues. Um, but he doesn't just score. He's getting in a nice, healthy mix of rebounds, steals, and blocks. Uh, so Montrez Harrell's definitely a way of a wire pickup if he's still sitting there. Pair of point guards you can let go of this week uh, for two different reasons. Include Markel Foltz and Quinn Cook. Now, Foltz's future with the Sixers is up in the air, not just for this week, not just for the next week, but period. So... We don't really know when he's going to see the court again. I think I remember reading a report saying he's back at practice, but I still don't trust him to you know, contribute in a meaningful way fantasy-wise. Not immediately, anyway. He might slowly, for the rest of the season, show signs of progression, but that means you can afford to ditch him for now um, and get someone who's an impact player and then potentially snag faults again when he's back and healthy. Quinn Cook, he was one who started eight of the 11 games Steph missed. Uh, which was good for his fantasy value, obviously. Put up nearly 13-3-3 a game, which was, you know, solid. He's not an amazing player, but with Curry set to return on Saturday, his value is going to take a big hit, uh, which makes him pretty irrelevant. So you can go forward and ditch him. And if you're looking for a replacement for either of those guys, uh, the first bloke I'd probably take would be Malcolm Progdon, who, surprisingly, when I did my article yesterday, was only in 40% of leagues, which kind of baffled me because I thought Brogdon had been, you know, well, he has kind of been playing better and playing well enough to warrant being on more rosters. But, yeah, that's other people's loss and potentially your game. So make sure you can snag Brogdon if you need some point guard depth. If you don't want Malcolm Brogdon, that's all right. I have another option for you in Ellie Okobo, the Suns point guard rookie who has started, I think it's the last two. I don't know if he started last night. I can't remember. But on Wednesday... Uh, for Phoenix, he had 19 points in just over 30 minutes, a couple steals and assists in the mix. Um, he played in France, or he's from Fran- French. He's from French. Let me start that again. He's from France. He is French, and he's been playing um, in the pros for, I think, at least the last two years. Might just be the year before he was drafted. There's clearly a lack of production from Phoenix's point guards. They're either injured or shithouse, so... Akobo might just benefit from their low depth chart, or shallow depth chart, I should say, and uh, be a good fantasy player. Even if it's only for a week or two, you may as well ride him while he's hot. Uh, it's worth knowing that Kyle Korver is back on the Utah Jazz. I'm a little bit disappointed as a Cavs fan. I loved Korver in our second half of our four straight finals when he came over. Um, he was I'm kind of spewing. He was the one that I really wanted us to win another ring for, but Glad we got one. I'm not going to get greedy because there's a lot of people who are probably listening to this who don't have a championship from their NBA franchise. But, yeah, I'm sad to see Corva go. Hopefully he can stay hot in Utah. He scored 14 last night and hit a couple of threes. So, well done, Kyle. Best wishes. Thanks for the uh, memories in downtown Ohio. Um, talking injuries, as I mentioned, Steph Curry's got the old clear to return on Saturday. So if you have him, then you can go ahead and chuck him in your lineups. Laurie Markkinen is another name who um, we haven't heard of a lot this year. Hasn't appeared in a game so far this season in his second uh, year in the NBA due to an elbow injury, which is 
uh, been annoying for some people who drafted him, but if you've stashed him on your bench and you've been waiting for his triumphant return, it seems like it's going to happen today. I remember reading on Twitter last week uh, and earlier in this week that he was nearing a return and that Fred Hoiberg wanted him to get a full week of practice under his belt. Uh, I think he's going to start tonight, or maybe not start, but return tonight against Houston or whenever they play Houston. I can't remember if it's tonight off the top of my head, actually. And, uh, yeah, should be great fantasy-wise. A really big fan of Markkinen. Doesn't really sound good if you have someone on the Bulls who is snagging you a lot of rebounds, similar to the man I already mentioned, Justin Holiday. So it might be wise to wait off a little bit on Holiday if Markkinen does come back right away and play a lot of minutes. But in saying that, like I said, the injury uh, issues are so deep that I don't think it'll eat too much into Holiday's numbers. He still offers some upside uh, injury news is not all good, unfortunately. Dwight Howard owners are going to be without Superman for two to three months. Actually, let's be honest, he's not really Superman. I don't think he's been called Superman in five years. He's now 32 and has really bad butt. <laughs> I was going to say back and butt problems, but it came out as buck problems. So, yeah, the injury-riddled Howard is uh, going to be out for two to three months, so you can probably drop him unless you have an IR spot. He's worth... He's out for too long to carry for mine. I know he'll probably come back and average 15 and 10, but it's worth dumping him and getting production for the next two to three months, if you ask me. Um, Goran Dragic, his injury issues aren't as dire, but he's missed the last half a dozen or so games with a knee complaint, and he's still day-to-day. Got a little bit of swelling around his knee area, so not really great if he continually misses time and keeps staying day-to-day. They're the worst type of injuries because you never really know when they're coming back, so... Hopefully some news comes out on Dragic soon and owners can uh, rejoice when he returns to the lineup. That is all the fantasy stuff that I'm going to cover for now. You can check out the Sports by Fry um, Instagram page tomorrow. I'll do an IGTV video. I might even do it later this afternoon, actually, and talk about some bets that I might be placing on the NFL for week 13 next week. Uh, next week, tomorrow, this week. And uh, a couple of last-minute fantasy bits and pieces. Any relevant news that comes out just before kickoff, I will uh, be covering. Um, but enough of the fantasy for now. I want to quickly talk about the first-time All-Stars. The article I wrote the other day, I talked about eight of them, but I'm only going to just touch on a few. You can go and check out the piece at sportsbyfry.com if you want to read the full list. But I'm going to talk about three in particular who intrigue me as first-time All-Stars. The first one... On the list is Nikola Jokic, who probably should have been an all-star last year had he not been as inconsistent. And that's partially what I talked about in the article as well. After the first 10 games of the year, Jokic looked like an all-star and, to be honest, was a bit of a sneaky MVP candidate. But then he kind of dropped a little bit shooting number-wise. Denver went through a bit of a funk. And as a result, he's teetered off all-star and MVP discussion. And Denver was... You know, sliding down the rankings. Five wins in a row has kind of bucked that trend, and Jokic is back in the mix. Um, over a 14-game span, he only shot about 28%, I think, from three, but he's starting to find his stroke again. He's a near triple-double every night, so Jokic alone with, for his passing would be fun to watch in the All-Star game, but I think hopefully the rest of his box score doesn't keep him out of the game, doesn't have a lot of turnovers and those weird one-shot games. I think... Yoke will be an all-star. The competitive West makes it tough, but uh, I'd give him a tick of approval, along with Ben Simmons. Let's be honest, I don't think 
If you had to pick two of those guys to get in the All-Star game, Butler, Simmons, or Embiid, you'd have to put Embiid in for sure. But the Butler-Simmons decision could come down to a bit of a coin flip. Uh, he's one of only two dudes averaging 15, 8.5, and 7.5 this year, with Westbrook being the other one. Um, if he can bump his points up a little bit, then his case will be pretty hard to ignore. But I think considering... The, how heavy the guards are in the West, he might be able to slide in a wild card spot as a forward or, you know, glitch the system somehow. So I think Simmons and Djokic are probably shoo-ins to be in Charlotte this February in the All-Star game. Another dude who probably deserves to be in the All-Star game, and let's be honest, is one of the pleasant surprises to start the year, is Tobias Harris and the now 15-6 and six LA Clippers. They've won four in a row. Their first in the West. They got one of the best records in the league behind the Raptors. So it's I've said this before, but it's at the point now where this isn't just a fluke. I think these Clippers might be here to stay. However, let me preface it by when I say these Clippers are here to stay, I mean it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to hang on for an eight or a seven seed, because that would exceed my expectations from the preseason. I don't think they can stay in the top four. I think that's a bit um, what's the word? Far-fetched. But Tobias Harris is the one that is getting a lot of the credit. The aforementioned uh, Montrez Harrell has been scoring in big bunches. But when you look at their roster just up and down, they have no one that sucks, really. It's good to see that a lot of the guys who are on the Clippers are just making the most out of their minutes. Shai Gilgis, Alexander looks really good. There's a little bit of question or a little... Uh, doubt over how he would translate to the pros and how his game would look, but he's been awesome. Um, Lou Williams is a bona fide stud off the bench, we know that. Danilo Gallinari being healthy is definitely helped for sure. Martian Gortat looks good, but yeah, they've got a lot of dudes who can, you know, play good minutes and just play their role, and it seems like Doc's got everyone to buy in. And Harris, as I mentioned, is averaging nearly 22 points a game, so he could be in the mix for one of those last few spots on the roster. Uh, when it comes down to it, especially if he can keep this scoring average up. However, he's shooting something absurd, like 45% from three and over 53% or something of the sorts from the field overall. So I don't think these hot shooting numbers can stay that hot. Um, but if he can keep them you know, in career high range and they only dip a little bit, then he should definitely be in the mix. Um, like I said, you can see the rest of the guys I talked about on that list by checking out the article on sportsbyfry.com. A few more uh, players in the East that I talked about over the West, just due to the fact that I think the West will obviously be more competitive for spots. Last thing before I go is I wanted to talk about the Kareem Hunt saga. Um, I applaud the Kansas City Chiefs for the way that they handled it and the fact that they just cut ties with him straight away, especially after all this shit that's gone on with Reuben Foster in the last week as well. It was a good professional decision by the Chiefs who said that Hunt lied to them about what happened in February and that he wasn't fully truthful with them. So that definitely hurts the Chiefs' playoff uh, chance. Well, sorry, let me rephrase that. It doesn't hurt their playoff chances because they're going to make the playoffs, but it definitely hurts their Super Bowl chances. And it kind of leaves a little bit of a grey area over who the best team in the AFC is now, which just quietly shapes up perfectly for the fucking New England Patriots once again, who aren't playing great, so, you know, I don't really expect them to make it, but, you know, it does leave it open. Could the Chargers or the Texans just stay hot and, you know, win four or five of their last games, and bang, they're Super Bowl champs. Could happen. Maybe the Steelers hold on, the Colts get hot. It's a bit open in the AFC now, which is kind of interesting. 
But with all that being said, I still think the Chiefs will walk out of the AFC. They were my pre-season pick. And I think Spencer Ware will be able to hold his own in the backfield. The creative uh, offensive mind of Andy Ryan, Andy Ryan, Jesus, of Andrew Reid will be able to help figure out a way for Mahomes to succeed and get Spencer Ware involved in the passing game. And there's probably a, a roster move left for them. I don't know the legality behind everything, if they can sign anyone. Um, it might be too late. But if they could snag someone and add a little bit of depth to that position, then, yeah, don't rule out the Chiefs still sitting at the Super Bowl uh, a couple of months from now. That is going to do it. Thank you for listening to another Sports by Fry pod. If you enjoy what you're listening to, of course, I would love uh, rating and review on iTunes. Uh, yeah, don't really have a lot to talk about because I'm still a bit unsure about what next few articles I'm going to plan. I've been sitting on this AFL Best 22 article for about a week and a half now, and I'm slowly pegging away at it, but it's a long job. So hopefully, I say this every time I check in, but hopefully it'll be out within the next few days. Uh, You can keep refreshing the sportsbyfry.com page for that one. Of course, if you have any fantasy basketball or football questions uh, ahead of the weekend, you can message me on Twitter or your preferred form of social media at sports by fry or one word um, but otherwise thank you for tuning in once again until next time peace <laughs>